Hello and welcome to episode two of After the Ending, the movie podcast where we take your favorite films and discuss what happened to all those characters after the movie ends. I'm Mike Spring and with me is Phil Edwards. Hello, Phil. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm fine. Are you good? I can't complain. Thanks for asking. Excellent. All right. So tonight we are going to talk about uh, two movies that are fairly different, I think. One is Super 8 and the other one is... Now, this is tricky, right, Phil? We agreed. Yeah, yeah. For you, it's it's known as Leon. Yeah, always been Leon. Okay, and over here, it's mostly known as The Professional. Oh, just uh, by the way, just in case people don't know, I'm based over in England, right. near Liverpool. There you go. I'm in upstate New York in the U.S., so we're a pretty international podcast. Exactly. But occasionally that's going to lead to obviously some things like this. So for, for Phil, the film has been known as Leon. Over here, it's known as The Professional. And mostly now I see that Sony has been marketing it as Leon The Professional to sort of you know combine it into one easy to capture name i guess so yeah my blu-ray just says leon at the minute but there you go i got that a couple of years ago right right well they did just release it on blu-ray here in the u.s like a, a special edition anniversary edition whatever you want to call it and uh, it was uh the for the first time that i know of in the u.s it was called leon the professional instead of just the professional so uh so that's what we're going to talk about super eight and the professional leon the professional excuse <laughs> me <laughs> and um a couple of show notes i wanted to mention before we get started uh two things first of all um i just th- thought it'd be interesting to tell people that we don't uh compare notes before we record the episode that's very true you know we like to um kind of surprise each other a little bit so we each come up with our endings separately um and then we talk about them so that's why sometimes we may have the exact same endings and sometimes we'll have wildly different endings so yeah it's it's going to be a mystery until we announce them <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'm sure eventually it'll it'll lead to a uh, a knockdown drag out, you know, <laughs> debate, but uh but so yeah. far so far so good. Yeah, it's all good so far. And um uh, the second uh thing I wanted to mention was last week uh not just once but twice I called the paranormal activity movies I called them the paranormal activities movies. Uh I think my brain was confused between <laughs> saying you know, paranormal activities and paranormal activity movies. And I said it twice, and I know that if I was listening to a film podcast and uh, one of the hosts got the name of a movie franchise wrong, it would probably perturb me. So I wanted to let people know. <laughs> it's such a fine line. It is. But, you know, I, I do know the correct name of those episode, of those movies, so, so please don't hold that against me. I'm sure people will pick up on many things we get slightly wrong. Uh, probably. <laughs> uh, probably. That's all right. That's part of the fun, I think. Yeah, that's one know. of the joys of listening to podcasts. To exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, so what are we doing first tonight, Phil? Uh, let's go with Leon the Professional. All right, so I think, uh, I think I'm going to take a uh, point on that, if I'm not mistaken. All right. All right, so Leon the Professional is one of the early films by Luc Besson, who uh, went on to do uh, The Transporter and uh, most notably The Fifth Element. Uh, as well as a bunch of other movies. Some good, some not so good. Uh, it stars uh, Jean Reno and uh, a young Natalie Portman in her very first film role. So uh, it's a pretty well-loved movie, I think. Critics and fans alike have a, a lot of affection for it. How about you, yeah. Phil? Are you yeah, a fan? It's, it's a great movie. I've always loved it since the first time yeah. I saw it many years ago. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, great great performances and a great thriller. Yeah, and some really, um, really the, especially the last like half hour or so, terrific action sequences. You know, just yeah. a, a well-put-together film all, all around. Yeah, and go, always good to see Gary Oldman just going crazy. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I should have mentioned that. Gary Oldman, Bring of course. Everyone. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, Gary Oldman in a chewing the scenery in fine form. 
form. Um, but uh, he's great also. So uh, so the story is uh, Leon is a French hitman. He's living in New York City. Uh, he works for this mafia guy named Tony who owns a restaurant. In his apartment building, there's this 12-year-old girl who lives next door to him named Matilda. That's Natalie Portman's character. And um, he sort of takes a shine to her. Uh, but he can see that she's not being treated too well at home, obviously uh, being maybe a little abused or just neglected, treating poorly by her by her family. Uh, it turns out that her family is the, the, the patriarch, if you will, is a drug dealer. And the rest of the family are a bunch of uh, kind of, I guess, not the most uh, upstanding citizens in the world. No, they're all a bit dodgy, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. And um, this dirty DEA agent, uh, Stansfield, who's played by Gary Oldman, comes to get some money. He ends up killing the entire family, including Matilda's little brother. Uh, but Matilda isn't home at the time. She comes home in the aftermath of it and kind of keeps walking, uh, gets Leon to let her into the apartment, and he basically saves her. Um, and the bad guys don't know that she's you know, really there. So then she decides that she wants to become uh, a cleaner, which is what he calls his profession, even though he's an assassin. He calls it being a, a cleaner. She wants him to train her, uh, and he sort of is reluctant, but he sort of also starts – he has her cleaning his weapons and cleaning the apartment, but eventually does start to teach her about how things work, teach her about the weapons, uh, even takes her out on an, a sort of a, an assassin training run. And so at a certain point, she gets a little cocky and takes a couple guns and goes to try and kill Stansfield for murdering her her family, or mostly her little brother. She didn't really seem to care too much about the rest of them. Uh, Stansfield uh, captures her instead. Uh, he, Leon comes to rescue her. Stansfield goes to uh, question Tony about who he is, finds out who he, who he is, brings pretty much the entire New York Police Department and DEA to Leon's apartment. Big, huge action sequences. Uh, Leon kills a whole bunch of cops. Uh, he, he gets Matilda out of the apartment and, and sends her away, kind of. And uh, he basically almost makes it out. But at the last minute, Stansfield shoots him. And it seems like he has the last laugh. But Jean Arino or Leon gets him close up and then reveals he's just pulled the pin on a string of grenades. And they both blow up and Matilda's on her own. And at the very end of the movie, Matilda kind of returns to this uh, sort of girl school that she had been attending but had been uh, absent from from because of her fo- her family situation. Um, but she takes this plant that, that Leon had sort of taken with him everywhere uh, and sort of cared for. It was kind of his little, like, pet almost. She takes this plant and plants it in the field by the school, uh, sort of symbolic of her putting down roots, I think, something that she didn't really have before. And, and that's the end of the movie. How'd I do, Phil? Does that seem about right? That's, that seems to be, have covered it very well. I think we've got everything. All right. I try to keep it short. Seems like I went on a long time, but that's the movie uh, in a very large nutshell. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Leon also always drinks milk. That has no bearing on the case, but it does right. quite a bit. So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, on the new Blu-ray that came out, there's a milk carton. That's like the sole kind of graphic image on the disc itself. Oh, okay. So, that's good. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, so they paid attention. Part of the film. Yeah, I guess so. It's a, <laughs> it's a character beat, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, Phil, tell me, uh, what did you think happens in The Day After the film ends? Okay, Day After. First of all, I was worried about the plant because I'm not sure about you, but I, I don't think that plant could survive in, uh, in that kind of soil. Although we don't know what soil it is, so let's let's uh, get rid of the plants. Okay. Okay, plants dead. <laughs> so the day after, Matilda will be back at school um, trying to deal with her grief of losing her friend and mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police would be looking into Leon because he killed so many of them in the shootout that went on. Uh, they may be able to link him to some of the, the various murders he's done in the past for the mob, but it's doubtful. He always seemed to keep everything clean didn't leave any clues, was always very thorough in what he did. It was only when he got to know Matilda that things changed. Mm-hmm. So it's doubtful the police would be able to link anything back to him. 
But uh, Matilda, yeah, she'll be back in school, dealing with the grief, just trying to get on for the moment, trying to see see what's what. And maybe uh, Tony, maybe Tony will uh, get in touch uh, because they already said, didn't they, that he was going to put money away for Matilda. He did, but I, did, I don't believe him. No, no, he's a, he's a mob boss. What are you going to do? Yeah, he seems slimy. Yeah. He said he'd give her an allowance, but I, I think, uh, you know, same thing when, when Leon tried to come and get the money, he sort of blew him off for that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about that. But anyway. Yeah, well, that's that's me on that one. It's uh, not the most exciting, but... <laughs> you know what? I don't think the day after ever is the most exciting yeah. part, but that's she's, okay. She's just... Matilda's just going to want to distance herself from the events so she doesn't get captured or questioned. So what I had is I, I agree that I think she tries to settle in at school. Um, and I, I think kind of the next day what happens is that one of the girls starts to make fun of her because she's a bit of an outsider. I think they've sort of established that. Yeah, um, yeah. And so Matilda gets into a fight with her and breaks the girl's nose because she knows a little something now. She, she you knows she's tough. Yeah. So she gets sent to the office. But uh, given her circumstances and the fact that she just came back, she gets off with a warning. But it, it sort of sets the tone. The other girls know not to not to mess with her. Yeah, she's a, she's a tough one. Yeah. All right. How about the immediate aftermath? What do you see there? Uh, the immediate aftermath, I think because because she, uh, she got on so well with Liam, she wants to respect his wishes. Uh, so I think she's just going to stick at school, work hard. Keep herself to herself, but there'll be the occasional run-ins with the other the other pupils. I think she's just going to get her head down and work hard. But she'll also be, though be trying to keep herself fit and healthy because uh, Leon put the uh, element of discipline into her. And and depending upon which way she she's going to go, because I see she's got two options. She can either just carry on with the schoolwork, work hard, get a a nine to five job, and just have a normal life, or she could end up. Being a serial killer? Uh, yeah. No, no, not this time. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I thought was, for she, sure. She'd get, get paid for it, though, if she did. Right, because she's or, kind of a natural, you know, yeah. being what she's been through. But okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose uh, or the other way she could go, she could fall down the rabbit hole, uh, get involved in the wrong kind of people, get involved in drugs, things like that. But again, I think uh, Leon's discipline will keep her away from that side of crime. But I could see getting involved in learning how to fight, dealing with weapons, that's that's going to be, I think, the way she could go. Yeah, I think um, I actually had a very similar sort of uh, outcome there. I think that, um, you know, over the next few months, she, she kind of tries to settle in. I agree. She wants to kind of honor Leon's wishes so she doesn't get into more fights. You know, I think yeah. she she starts hanging out with the other girls and, and making friends and kind of adjusting to being, a, you know, a normal teenager. But she's also a smart kid. So I think what happens is she sort of starts to um, – she kind of befriends, like, the school's gym teacher and, like, does, like, after-school workouts like learn yeah. some self-defense stuff you know so she's she's a normal teenager but she's smart enough to know that there's you know there's a lot of bad people in the world so she wants to be able to take care of herself so exactly, yeah. you know from a young age i think you know throughout school she's going to kind of be developing her skills and honing her skills and making sure that she's ready for whatever comes at her yeah all right so how about your long term since you've already uh, revealed she's not going to become a serial killer uh go ahead yeah. and tell us what you got well again it depends upon the past she's gone through before but so i could see either if she was sticking with Leon, Leon's wishes, she'd live a normal life. She'd invest. If she did get money off Tony, she'd uh, make money. I could see her getting into acting because she was doing all... She was basically acting the whole time when she was with Leon. You know, you've got to make sure you don't give anything away. Mm-hmm. You've got to change your emotions when need be. So I could see either getting into acting or becoming a psychologist and helping other kids who've gone through traumatic experiences in oh, the past. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. But uh, I, could, I could see her, whatever happens, having quite a solitary life. She'd always be trying to find somebody to replace Leon. Right, right. Uh, I think that would be pretty hard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. You could also say she'd become a a kick-ass assassin, but (laughs) I I really don't see that. I think that's the least likely scenario. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
especially I think if we're grounding it in the real world, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the chances of her becoming a, you know, an assassin, I think, you know, I mean, I know they're out there. I know there are yeah. assassins in the world, but they're not, it's not exactly like, you know, a commonplace, well, you know. I, th- I think Leon, it sort of, he comes across as a bit of an anomaly as a person. Right. He's, he's obviously, something's happened to him in the past, which is, has put him on that path as well. Right, right. I agree. Of course, uh, he also, Jean Reno, he played, uh, he was in Luc Besson's Nikita, wasn't he? Mm-hmm, yeah. As, as a cleaner there. I believe so, yeah. And I always, when I first saw Leon after seeing that, I always said, well, is it the same guy? But it's it was, the personalities were too different. The, the cleaner in, right. in Nikita was too chatty and, and wasn't a Leon kind of guy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah you know, it's funny because I think that's just something filmmakers, sometimes they, you know, they have these sort of gray areas where it's like is it the same character is yeah. it not you yeah. know well we're not going to tell you and you know but uh, you know there's some sort of it's a like a blood relative almost yeah it's you know? good to build these bridges isn't it between different movies i think so i like it yeah all right well so for my long term so now interestingly you know i don't usually do this but i i kind of had this this like second ending to the movie in my head as i was thinking about this so i only followed her up until about college age and then i have sort of like a fade to black moment so the way i oh, see go it go on then yeah all right so she um you know as she becomes a teenager she continues to settle into her normal life you know she does well in school uh she takes care of herself I originally thought she cultivates Leon's plant, but I think there's no way that plant's going to survive a New York winter. So, uh, yeah, you know. that's true. Yeah. Uh, but maybe she gets like a surrogate plant that she keeps in her, in her apartment. Yeah, I could see that. That would be a thing running through her life, I reckon. Yeah, she'd always have this yeah. you know, something Something she's going to be looking after. Right, exactly. So I think she, she has like kind of a little plant. Um, after she graduates from high school, uh, I think she goes to visit Tony because I think she sort of cut off all ties with him and she wants her money. And he doesn't recognize her, doesn't have any idea who she is until she mentions Leon. And... Uh, uh, then he kind of like tries to blow her off again and is like, yeah, yeah, your money, this and that. And then she puts the beat down on him, yeah. you know, oh, using good. all the skills that she's been practicing since she was a kid uh, until finally he gives her her, her money. And that, that's where the sort of movie ending comes in. Like I just have this vision of her like walking out into like the New York City streets like at night with all the lights. And she's got like this bag of money on her shoulder and she sort of walks off into the streets and, you know, into her life and, oh, you know, nice. fades to black. So yeah, there you go. That's a nice ending. Yeah, it's a good ending yeah. for her. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm a sucker for happy endings, I have to admit. So I I, I don't know if that's always where I'm going to go. I don't think it will be, um, but I, I do have a soft spot for them. So, But in this oh, case, yeah. it was, you know, it was very cinematic in my brain. So well, That's good. Interestingly enough, I was reading, though, and we almost did have a, a sequel to Leon. It was uh, 2011's Columbiana, by, oh. directed by Olivia Meg. Yes. Olivia... Megaton. Yes, mm-hmm. who's kind uh, of a protege of Luc Besson's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, this uh, Co- Colombiana starred Zoe Saldana from Star Trek. And I was reading, apparently that was going to be a sequel to Leon uh, that Luc Besson had in mind for years. Right. But, t- but time passed and uh, Besson ended up changing the script. Yeah, but again, that's sort of what I would say is like a like a blood relative of it. You yeah, know, yeah. it's certainly a, a spiritual successor, if you will. Definitely. Okay, so Phil, uh, anything else you want to say about uh, about Leon the Professional before we move on? Only it's a great film. And if you've not seen it, well, we've already explained what happened. But if you've not, <laughs> if you've not seen it, it's well worth watching. And if you've already seen it, watch it again because it's a great film. Agreed. You know, I, I I feel like maybe now it's a little late to say this, but uh, spoiler alert <laughs> you know, for our entire show. I mean, I, yeah, this yeah. can maybe be like our blanket spoiler alert for the rest of the series because, you know, we're going to yeah. pretty much spoil every movie we talk about. I mean, it's sort of inherent in a, a Definitely. show that's about the endings of movies, I think. So hopefully people figure that out. Yeah. 
All right, so that uh, wraps up Leon the Professional. Uh, let's talk about Super 8. Phil, go ahead. Tell us a little about Super 8. Okay, Super 8 uh, from 2011. It was directed by J.J. Abrams and produced by Steven Spielberg, who collaborated on the story. Um, and basically, it's it's J.J.'s tribute to the films of Spielberg and the way it's shot and filmed. Okay, it's 1979. We follow a 14-year-old kid called Joe, whose mum's just been killed in an accident in the steel mill. His dad blamed her co-worker, Lewis, as she covered his shift because he was uh, had a hangover. A few months later, Joe's helping his friend Charles make a low-budget zombie movie with some friends, uh, which, which looked like great fun, uh, to be honest. They get uh, Lewis's daughter, Alice, involved. Uh, she's played by Elle Fanning. She joins them as the lead actress. And so they go off to do some filming at the train depot. Uh, Charles says, oh, the train's coming. We've got to get this on film. It'll be amazing. Uh, so they start filming. Kids are shouting. Camera's rolling. And then Joe sees a, a white truck come screaming down out from nowhere, drive along the tra- train tracks and hit the train, causing it to derail. There's a massive accident. The camera falls over, but it's still recording. Uh, once everything's stopped, all the dust has settled, they run up to the truck and find it's their old biology teacher, Dr. Woodward. And he warns the kids not to tell anyone or else their parents will be killed. But then the military turn up, or the Air Force, and eventually they do some secret mission they've got going on so fire to the woods and brush outside of town and uh, start to evacuate the town saying that everybody's in danger and moves them all to an airbase and suddenly alice is whisked away by this weird creature thing we've we've only seen in passing what it's all been about is that a spacecraft crashed and the air force had the alien the alien grabbed woodward had a psychic connection because that always happens in films right Uh, and he, Woodward's been trying to help it. The kids realise that the alien is just trying to get away, even though he has been grabbing people from the town and causing all this problem. And the real enemy is really uh, the Air Force. They track out the alien down under the town's water tower, where it's been, where they find all the bodies that have been abducted and some weird machinery the, uh, the alien's been building. They rescue Alice. Alien grabs Joe. They have a moment, and Joe's telling the alien, saying, it's, it's okay, we're not all bad. And then the alien lets them all go, and uses all his magic alien tech and makes a big spaceship on the water tower and blasts off into space. And the end. And there we have it. So what uh, what happens the day after? All right. So um, I think in the day after, the government, you know, sort of they've, they've, you know, destroyed half the town chasing this alien. They sort of kind of come in and try to cover things up. You know, they sort of yeah. put the clamp down. Uh, the media tries to come in and see what happens, but the government quarantines the town. They make up an excuse about a, you know, a gas leak or some sort of infectious disease or something like that. You know, so because the government can't let the people who saw the alien talk about it. So they sort of kind of hold them prisoner. But at the same time, you know, they're not truly evil. So they don't want to just like kill them all off. So they sort of uh, sequester everyone so they can try and contain the situation. So that's my that's just my day after. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Well, it's pretty much the same as well. And the fact it's 1979, so there's no Internet. It's going to be quite easy to lock everything down. Right. Right. I hadn't thought about that. Good point. Because they've already uh, they've already mentioned there's uh, bushfires going off around. So they've already got the backstory set up. Uh, the townspeople are already evacuated. The only people who really saw it, apart from the soldiers, are the, the main characters. So the, the Air Force, yeah, they're going to move in to cover everything up. The worst-case scenario, which is, as you said, is going to be doubtful, is they kill everybody in town right? To, to make sure nothing gets out. But then you've got all these soldiers, and some of them are going to blad things off anyway. Uh, if anybody else from the town did see it, because probably, they probably didn't get everybody out of town, it's going to be blowing people's minds seeing this alien spacecraft assemble itself right. and then take off. So I think if 
if there were people still in town, all the bars and clubs are going to be uh, chocked full of people getting drunk. So right. after, after seeing this amazing fire in the sky, yep. I think he'd be the one, Joe's father, the sheriff, he'd, he's going to be the one trying to get get the word out. Right, right. I can see that. Okay, so uh, what about the immediate aftermath? All right, so I think that, uh, you know, basically the, the, the government kind of basically tells everyone, not in so many words, but tells everyone, hey, if you don't talk, we'll leave you alone. But if you talk, there's going to be problems and, we're, you know, we'll – will deal with you, so to speak. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, Jack and, and Lewis and the kids all sort of eventually agree that they should just go along with the government. Because even though I, I do agree, I think Jack would be sort of the kind of guy to stand up for what's right. But I, I, he's got a kid to take care of. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's going to win out. I think he's going to know that you can't, you can't take on the government and win in a situation like this. Uh, yeah. um, you know, and then so I think that the, the few people in town who don't agree to go along are, are kind of, you know, quote, relocated. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. but most everyone does. Like you said, not everyone knows what happened anyway. So most people just sort of agree to, to go along with the government. No, I think uh, lots of the townspeople, they just they wouldn't believe it anyway. It's uh, humanity has a great way of denying these amazing things. And so I think it'd be. What we didn't see, you know, can't harm us, so let's right. just get on with life. I think so. I think the government makes up whatever story it is about a methane leak or, you know, whatever, and forest fires, and, and most of the townspeople are going to go along with that. You know, the media comes to town, but nobody talks, and, and so eventually after, you know, a week or so, it becomes kind of a non-story, and, uh, you know, life sort of starts to settle back down and return to normal. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the same with maybe The main thing would be the town's got to be rebuilt. There was all the uh, the wire that the alien took from the... Uh, the power lines, things oh, right, like that. Right. There's going to be a lot of work to make it habitable. Well, habitable again. Lots of lots of property damage when all the the arm, the air force's uh, weapons misfired. Yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of thing. So it's going to be it's going to be lots of rebuilding in the town. And so I think as for the main characters in the film, all the the film crew, Joe and Alice and and Charles and the rest, I think everything they've gone through is this amazing experience. But they can't tell anyone because who's going to believe them? Right. So. I think it'll bring them all closer together as friends. I mean, one or two may drift away, but I think they're all going to be this this core group of friends. And as we saw, they like making films. I wouldn't be surprised if Charles decided to make a film about uh, some kind of alien mm-hmm. invasion. Right. So I think I think that's how they'd cope with it. Right, right. I like that. They'd, uh, they'd, they'd do some cheesy alien invasion. They'd, they'd start working on that. they get the zombie film done. And the next one would just be this alien thing, and it's it's how they can cope and deal with what happened to them. Yeah, sort of a way to tell the story without yeah. telling the story, yeah. right? Yeah, Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I like that. But what about the long term then, Mike? What do you reckon is going to happen in the long term? All right, so um, <clears throat> so you know how you have a thing for serial killers, right? I, I have a thing <laughs> for uh, going meta, apparently. So here's what oh, I came right. up with. Oh, it's good going meta. What yeah. about a meta serial killer? A meta serial killer? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> that, that's coming in a future episode. Yeah, okay. I, I, I do have some strong concerns about uh, Will Smith's character, Hitch, you know, that love doctor. Oh, I, yeah. I think he could go dark. But anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, – <laughs> I came from nowhere. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep things in a little bit in left field from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that Jack and Alice, uh, they start dating. You know, I think they they fall in love. Uh, yeah. And um, wait, not Jack. That would be super creepy. Oh God, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Joe, Joe and Alice. Real inappropriate. <laughs> and I don't go that dark with my movies. Okay, so let me clarify. I think that uh, Joe and Alice uh, start dating, um, and uh, they become high school sweethearts, and uh, they stay together, and eventually they fall in love, and they get married in 1987, which is eight years after the events of Super Eight. Oh, this is going somewhere. Yes. So two. Two years later, they give birth to their daughter, Beth. She grows up having a normal life. They never mention the events of Super 8 to her because, again, you know, who would believe them? 
She graduates high school in 2007. She moves to New oh, York City to go to college. I'm getting excited. All right. And then in 2008, disaster strikes. A giant monster attacks New York City. No! <laughs> Deheads the Statue of Liberty, destroys most of Manhattan, and then uh, the military attack, the hammer down protocol comes down, blows up the monster, most of the island, taking Beth and her new boyfriend Rob with her. Any of that sound wow. familiar at all? It does. Yeah. If only I could remember what it was called. It was called was it? Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yes. Now, in, in my defense, when I came up with this, I did not know that Super 8 was perhaps going to be considered as a prequel of sorts to uh, mm. to Cloverfield. had no idea. Uh, I, thought, well, I, only, I, I only found that out when I was just doing a bit of reading up on the film. I found that out, too, when I was reading up on the film after I came up with the idea. So a little bit <laughs> – I looked at that That's and okay. I was like, ah, oh. here I thought I was being super clever. But, um, yeah, so I think that the alien went back to its home planet and was super pissed off because even though these kids helped him escape, you know, he'd been held captive for what, like – 20, oh. 20 years or so at this point. Oh, yeah, and he'd been tortured and prodded and probed. Right, so I think that he's 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 pissed, and they set in motion, you know, they're going to attack Earth and everything, and so I think that this creature in New York City is, uh, in Cloverfield, is sort of either like the first wave of the attack or just the, the first attack, the, the you know, the, the first part of the attack that we see, you know, in a, glo- in a global attack. Oh, or maybe the alien that we see in Super 8 is one of the aliens from Pacific Rim and the Cloverfield creature is one of the first uh, kaiju. Right, right. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's like I, a triple meta. I, yeah, this one just hit me now. There you go. Oh, so. I should have thought of that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it splits into three different movies. See, these are all that's documentaries it. about real alien attacks. That's what it is. There you go. So that's my, that's my long term. How about you? Okay, well, I reckon Charles would stick to directing. Mm-hmm. The main story connecting the kids was the zombie movie they were making. I, so I, I can see him going to directing movies, but he's always going to be stuck making B movies and things like that, which is perfectly fine and everything. But he's going to be the kind of guy who wants to make the perfect, the, the brilliant film that will change the world. Right. But I, I think he, he never quite make that. Then we've got, uh, is it Carrie or Corey? He was the guy, the cameraman, who liked, the little kid who liked blowing things up. Right, right. He's going to end up going to prison for arson <laughs> or something because he just he, he liked blowing things up too much. Yeah, he's probably a pyro, <laughs> right? Just yeah. setting fires around town. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> yeah, but then we have Joe and Alice. I like you. I had them becoming a couple, but I only had them staying together for a few years. Sure. Um, they break up, but they'll remain good friends all their life. Right, I think so. That's where I went at first, actually, was that because, you know, real life relationships when you're that young, mostly, they, you know, they don't work out. And I kind of felt the same way. Like they weren't going to last as a couple, but they would always be friends because of this experience they went oh, through. Yeah. But then when I thought of the Cloverfield connection, I kind of figured, well, they, oh, should, Jesse, you had to, they had to stay together, stay together to have a kid, you know. So and, and I like those happy endings. So anyway, oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> continue. But uh, yeah, yeah, remain good friends uh, and they'd always be there for each other. Uh, I could see Joe. To be honest, I don't see any of the kids being being men- too mentally disturbed by the events they went through. Maybe Alice because she was the abduction and she was wrapped up in everything, claustrophobia and stuff like that. But right. whereas with other films, you could see these like Poltergeist last time. Right. The kids are going to be messed up from what they went through. I think this one are more going to be, there'll be amazements and wonderments. Maybe the odd nightmare, but nothing which is going to make it difficult for them in later life. Right. I agree. So I, think, I agree. Yeah, I think they're a little okay. older too. You know, I think they're, yeah. you know, they can kind of cope with it and rationalize it and understand it more, you know. Definitely. But I can see Joe becoming... A fantastic special effect and monster makeup kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his imagination has just been would have been pushed so much by this encounter with the creature. Who knows what he actually saw when he was held by the creature and the psychic connection was made? Right, right. Yeah, but uh, also as for the town itself, I reckon it's going to become the new Roswell. Ah. The States uh, UFO hunters heading there uh, 
and the general population cashing in on the, you know, cafes, right. bars, merchandise, things like that. Right, because there's always going to be those conspiracy f- theorists out there who are going to say, like, you know, you know, the, 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 oh, this wasn't a methane yeah. leak. This was a, you know, an alien yeah, crash. cover and, up, yeah, right. conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And they'll have a little cafe, you know, like an yeah. alien-themed cafe. By that point, the government won't care because it's so kitschy and so yeah. sort of, you know, pop – you know, pop culture that it's it's you know it, they yeah, chalk just, it up to the just swamp the market and the Weekly World News and all the <laughs> all the things like that. Right, and that's people just say hearts, oh, just a joke. Right, right. I, but uh, oh, and finally, I also said uh, a little bit different from yours, but connected to another film. The alien was a scout, and it went. He went off to report what had happened, and they returned in 1996 on Independence Day. Oh, there you go. All right, there you go. See, see, great minds think alike. All yeah, right, we're getting better. <laughs> so, how many films? That's three more films it goes into. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's quite the uh, quite the the widespread net of connections that all come from Super Eight. Exactly. Who knew? But but speaking connection to Super Eight and Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. What about Ten Cloverfield Lane? What do you think that's going to be like? You know, it's interesting. I, I have I've had mixed. Um, well, first of all, I, I have to say that I think the trailer for it is fantastic. Uh, oh, I think yeah, great trailer. It, it looks great, and I I was when it when the trailer first dropped, and a lot of people online were saying, "Is this the sequel to Cloverfield?" And I was like, "Well, of course it is. It's called Ten Cloverfield Lane. Like, what else would it be?" Uh, but then I did, as I was researching Super Eight, I, I did read about how they're they're they have sort of talked about doing like a series of loosely related films that are all sort of under this Cloverfield banner. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, maybe it's not a direct sequel, although it seems to me that it makes sense. You know, this monster yeah. shows up, it destroys New York, more of them come, the world has gone to crap. You know, John Goodman and these two, you know, two characters are in this, you know. Yeah, um, it, does, it does look like it's happening at the same time as the first film or like a few weeks or months after, doesn't it? When yeah, it- yeah, exactly. So I, I'm curious to see if it's going to be like a real sequel or just sort of a thematic sequel you know but I, I do think it looks great and i'm i've always been a big fan of movies where there's like a small group of characters like kind of trapped in in some oh, you know yeah. somewhere like it's, yeah there's some of my favorite films that people stuck somewhere and trying to find out what's going on and right one of them's a bad one but yeah it turns out to be the other one they weren't looking at right. stuff like that. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly so i i do love that that genre of film and i'm i have high hopes for it i hope i hope it's good well and the good thing as well with jj abrams it's there's always that bit of mystery with his films. He, he manages to keep things locked down and yeah. let things slip out. Yeah, exactly. He's he's definitely yeah. a brilliant marketer for sure. Yeah, and actually, definitely. I'm not um, I'm not a huge fan of Cloverfield mostly because I don't really love the found footage um, style of filmmaking, and um, that one in particular is so yeah. You know, I hate to sound like a you know whatever that's it's, oh shaky camera, but it's a bit oh, the it's shaky a bit much to watch. To you a bit much, yeah. yeah, and so I feel I'm happy that that Ten Cloverfield Lane is going back to a traditional. Uh, storytelling format that makes me happy yeah it does, it does look like it's got potential yes absolutely all right good yeah i think we've wrapped that one up yeah yeah so there you go so those are our thoughts on uh super eight and leon or the professional or leon the professional whichever you prefer leon <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh, phil clearly prefers leon so yeah uh if you have thoughts on how you think these movies would have uh, ended after the ending or uh you have any comments on our endings feel free to drop us a line you can comment on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash after the ending podcast uh, all right, Phil, what, uh, what's going on in the movie world that you want to talk about today? Uh, well, just a couple of things. Disney have been developing a new version of Pete's Dragon, mm-hmm. and the trailer for that dropped today. Yes, it did. And it stars Robert Redford and Bryce Dallas Howard. They find a kid has been lost in the woods for the past few years, and he says he's been looked after by a dragon. And obviously the, the grown-ups don't believe him, but we all know it's real. But it's uh, the trailer looks really nice, looks very magical. It's got a, had a nice feel to it. 
So I've suddenly gone from being not that bothered about the film to going, oh, I like the look of this. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, I, I knew it was in production, but I hadn't really been following along um, and, and paying much attention to it. And so um, just the fact that Robert Redford isn't alone makes me interested. He's one of my absolute favorite actors. Oh, um, he's brilliant. And I'll watch him in just about anything. Um, and I do I do very much uh, also like Bryce Dallas Howard. So that is a, a good combination for me. Um, and, uh, you know, Disney's been hitting them out of the park lately. So uh, yeah, they certainly have. You know, hopefully this one will uh, will be good. I think it's an interesting film to to remake, but I like that they're going with sort of a, you know a modern a modern take on it, and and it'll be interesting yeah. to see how it turns out. It's nice to have some kids' films to look forward to because we've got Pete's Dragon, which looks good, and also uh, Steven Spielberg's adaptation of the BFG. Yeah, because I'm looking forward to that one as well. I I am too, but I I have to say I can't get over the name uh, because <laughs> I. Because of doom. Because of, the, because of the F, I just hear all I think of is the B, the big effing whatever, you know, giant is it? Isn't it the giant? It's the big friendly giant. Right. Well, all I hear is when I hear BFG, I think of the big effing giant. And and I I yeah. know that's terrible because it's a kid's film, but that's what I hear. So It's very true. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just, I, it's going to be out there. I'm, I'm When the, <laughs> when the reviews start to drop, people are going to use, I think, yeah. some some covered up F-bombs. But we'll see yeah, what I'm happens. Sure th- I'm sure there's going to be T-shirts without a <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the other thing was... I, I went to see Bone Tomahawk over the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's the new one starring Kurt Russell. Right. And that was most enjoyable. Well, enjoyable is the wrong word. <laughs> I hear it's pretty it's grueling. A, yeah, it's a Western and they go off to rescue a guy's wife who's been kidnapped by troglodytes. And it's a very slow burner, but it's a, it's a great Western, but it's more like a pulp, pulp monster Western. Right. And uh, when the action hits, it hits bloody hard right I won't have to, I'm saying bloody hard because there's lots of blood <laughs> right <laughs> but it's uh, it's no it's, it's worth seeing all men being macho without knowing how to deal with their situation right and then it all goes wrong excellent uh, yeah it's funny that actually uh, came out on video here in the US a few months ago of course um, it's been out for a long time yeah, in the States, it, it didn't yeah. get but it didn't get much of a theatrical release so um, you know I uh, it's in my it's in my pile of movies to get to yeah. but I haven't uh, I haven't had a chance to see it yet unfortunately definitely not one to watch with the kids no <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't think so but that's good advice good advice (laughs) all right well i think that's going to wrap us up for today uh thank you everybody for listening and uh like i said follow us oh let's uh we got to do our pimping yeah our stone cold pimping so phil tell uh, people about your website and your social media yes i am phil and i am the chief editor on liveforfilms.com you can find us on the web on facebook on twitter on all the other social media places you'd expect to find us, and it's all your movie news, trailers, posters, and lots of interviews and competitions. There you go. All right. You know it makes sense. Yes. It's a great site. I frequent it myself regularly. Thank you most kindly. Of course. And I'm Mike. I'm the editor-in-chief of uh, IWantMy2Dollars.com, which is everything pop culture. And uh, I'm also an author, so you can learn more about my fiction books. If you like what you hear here and you want to see it in printed form, uh, you can check me out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MikeSpringOfficial. All right, next week we're going to be back with two more films. We're going to discuss our very first John Hughes film, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I am a huge John Hughes fan, uh, and I think we'll be discussing a a lot of them. Me too. It's a John Hughes classic and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Just very funny film. Yep. So we're going to talk about about that. And then we're going to discuss um, the found footage superhero type film Chronicle uh, by director Josh Trank, who went on to helm uh, last year's disastrous Fantastic Four reboot. So that's that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, we, we, Fantastic Four may get a, a future episode, actually, since I'm doubting they're going to make a sequel to it. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah. So next week, be uh, join us, please, for uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles and also Chronicle. 
And again, if you have a movie you'd like to hear us talk about, drop us a line on Facebook and uh, we'll take it into consideration. Also, send us your favorite film ending and worst film ending. The worse, the better. Yes, exactly. And we'll, uh, we'll maybe we'll pick some of the best uh, suggestions and share them on the air as well. We love to have uh, feedback from people and we love to uh, you know share people's names on the air as well. So, uh, so send us some comments and we'll see what we can get uh, worked into the podcast. Thank you again for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending. Huge action, action! I can't talk tonight. Oh my no, god! I, I know. I, I feel the same. Yeah. I think so. What I what I had was I think that she agree. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's catching, isn't it? Yeah. We've only spoiled three films. Yeah, you know. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, just wait till we do the Sixth Sense and the Crying Game. Oh my God! Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they get Lois's. Lois's. And they get Louis. <laughs> Louis, Lois, Lois. Yeah, you can call him whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I also saw Bone Tar. I also, uh, I also can't speak. Right. <laughs> and there you go. So uh, we'll be back next week with some more movies, and uh, we're going to keep on, uh, keep on keeping on. No, um, keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me do that again. And remember where you go, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Let's end the episode with some really uh, cheesy platitudes. Um, All right, let me do that last part again. Um, Use the force, Mike. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Phil. All right, next week we will be back and hang on. Okay, this is just a disaster. It's it's crazy. It's a a train wreck. You see how I tied it it back to Super 8? Thank you. Oh, and uh, uh, also let us know of your favorite film endings, your worst film endings. And anything else? No, that's a load of crap. Don't say anything else. Do you know? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, also, drop us a line to let us know your favorite film ending and the worst film ending you've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> and we'll just end it there. Yeah. Like a, I'll do like a mic drop yeah. sound effect. Boom. <laughs> yeah, boom, and walk away. All right, thank you again for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. At the movies. <laughs> I don't know if we could use that. I know. <laughs> After the ending. There you go. That's oh, it. Why, go, yeah. why, why did it take us so long to think of that? Know.